Hello, you are joining us mid-conversation again. Uh, I'm Jacob Lindsay. As always, I'm joined by... Mason Joseph. And you're listening to Tasting Anarchy. And I was, uh, what would you say, I was waxing poetic about... Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, about like a, a wilder time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so what we were kind of... I was, I was telling you, Mason, before the listeners joined us, was... <laughs> Uh, and I gave I gave three examples that happened at Camp Burton, mm-hmm. this camp, the family camp that I used to go to, and um, of things that, in retrospect, I would say are probably dangerous things, but were things that um, I think are sort of like things that are good for kids. Like it's it's even things that are dangerous are still fun, and it kind of teaches independence and things like that. And yeah, the, the one thing was like the tire swing. That mm-hmm. was this gigantic tire swing that could go really, really high. Tractor in the air. tire swing. So, like, yeah, you know, it's yeah. a 300 pound tire. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah like it's I mean, and people, every every year, somebody would get hit in the face or fall off of it and get hurt or fall or jump off of it on the wrong side. And, and go, like, there was like a little bit of, there was like a little forest on one side. And so, if you jumped off on that side, you would fall through a whole bunch of little pine trees that were really thick. And then into a Gosh. clump of poison oak, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and uh, and then we had when I was very young, and and we they stopped this a long time, or when I was pretty young, they had this thing called an atlas ball, which was a gigantic inflatable beach ball that was like the size of a car. And um, one of the things we used to do is to try to like run into it and then roll up on top of it, and then when you were on top, stand up. So that you could like walk around the field on top of this ball, and I don't which, know which how really you fun. didn't break all of the bones in your body with some of the stuff that you did. Like, yeah, I you know, <laughs> well, I've I, only I broken one thing ever, and it was from skiing, which is a normal thing. Yeah, like I've well, only broken my collarbone. Like, I broke a toe stepping off a freaking step that, like, I had an I have an uncle that has just like badly designed step count where it's like. You know how like uh, if the steps aren't even, like it uh-huh. really jacks stuff up. Like the last yeah. step on his set of stairs is just too low. Oh, okay, interesting. Like, like a low and, riser. Yeah, so like he lives in uh, like Northern Virginia. So as I was talking about, like that drive-in driveway that like leads yeah. to the basement. Like th- that's kind of what he's got at his house, except for the the garage faces the street. So it's not like you're like loading into like. Like a, like where you would slide a clip into a gun. It's more like you're, like driving into the front. So, okay. um, so he's, but like, it's also, like I'm sure it's not as tall as I remember as a kid. You know, kind of harkening back. Um, but like right. he's got this set of stairs to his front door, and they're concrete, and they kind of zig. Like you go down one set, and then it like has a platform that goes hard to the right. And then it's got a platform that goes like down a step or two to the like forward. And then it zags to the left. So it's like this multi zag and that last zag, the last step is like short. Huh. And like I spiral fractured my toe. <laughs> so, oh. you know, but like, um, and I don't think like the Atlas ball necessarily is like that dangerous for like what you were talking about. But just some yeah. of the other stuff that you've like said you've oh, done. Yeah. So like, and you know, as a kid, and I'm just like, 
Jacob's like really uncoordinated now. <laughs> like, <laughs> how has he not broken both his arms off? But like speaking yeah, about that, like, but, but that was kind of the sort of the whole point of this is like these are and, and what I was telling you is that as I got older and as the camp started going, oh, you can't do that because the insurance won't cover it in case you know, of liability is I think the society kind of got more litigious, but my mom used to kind of talk a little bit about this because she's like me and that she like is observant of how the world is changing, mm-hmm. which is actually going to bring us into one of the articles that I have. Cause I, I it's got a, a question about the changing alcohol culture in the United States. Um, but, uh, she used to say like this, like all of these were things that were kind of left over in the early nineties from the kids growing up in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, where things were dangerous kind of, and kids were pretty independent. Uh, one of the things I was also telling you is that we used to walk, there's a town, the town of Burton is kind of a long walk from uh, the camp that we went to. And so, you know, as a young kid, we would walk over to town to get, if the canteen at camp was closed and we couldn't get like ice cream or something, even at night we would walk all the way over to town and, and get ice cream or get a soda or something like that from the, the store in town. And, uh, in retrospect, like the, I, like a lot of younger parents would be horrified that you'd let like a seven or eight year old just walk themselves maybe, or in a, in like a, in a group of three or something like that in a, all the way down on a narrow winding Island road in the Puget sound to just go pick stuff up, you know? So it's, it's just kind of like a interesting, the changing time of things that in like, yeah, yeah. The tire swing is dangerous. The, The Atlas ball is dangerous, but I have very, very fond memories of those things and people every year. Like I said, I've, I've been hit in the face by that tire swing several times and, uh, got bloody noses from it and I've fallen off the Atlas ball. I never broke anything, but it doesn't, it hurts. And I know, I know that one of the reasons they stopped doing it is because somebody broke their arm or multiple people broke their arm falling off the Atlas ball. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, yeah, that's the, that's the thing is like, I have a five-year-old now and one of the things that like my wife and I routinely notice is my daughter like started reading at two-ish uh-huh. And is also very articulate for the most part. But what most people don't get is like, so you know, like when you're talking to a kid mm-hmm. and you're talking to like a really smart kid and it's like the caliber of the conversation is very high and like the words they're using are like very well like placed and like they're not using like they're not using the same words over and over again. Mm-hmm. Like my daughter is very smart, but she like she's deceptively young still kind of in a lot of her thinking. And, and she's just turned five. Like this is not like a my daughter's an idiot. That sounds smart. My daughter's is pretty smart. Yeah. But she's like people will talk to her like she understands a lot more than she does. And right. so like there's that problem of like people going like, Oh, blah, 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 you know, to my daughter. And, and she's just kind of like, okay. And you're like, she doesn't understand. And like, what do you mean? She doesn't understand. It's like, she's five, like use four contractions. Some of them <laughs> yeah. are a little more exotic. And it's not like you said, like 
please don't do that. She doesn't like it or something like that. It's like the dog doesn't like when you do this and that, you know, it's like a 45 word sentence to say, yeah, don't hit, you know, don't pull the dog's tail. Not that she pulls dogs tails, but sure. that sort of thing. So, you know, I was sitting there thinking like, you know, I don't think my parents would have necessarily let me walk six miles to get ice cream. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't know if I would have done it to begin with, but like, I don't think at like eight, my parents would have necessarily just let me go walk for eight, you know, six miles, 12 miles around trip or three miles and yeah. three miles there. I, three miles I, back. I could be exaggerating. Let's see how far it is. I'll look it up on the map. Yeah. But like, I don't think my parents would have let me walk that distance, but I also think like my parents kind of knew that like I wouldn't walk that distance. So like there, I would just be miserable, <laughs> you know, like I'd get stuck halfway between or something. But one of the things that kind of is interesting is like, you know where I live. Uh, it's, not, yeah, it's, it's not six miles, it's four miles. Yeah, but that's still eight miles at night. And yeah. like, <laughs> you know, in Puget Sound in the summer, it's yeah. not like it gets dark early. <laughs> it gets dark yeah. pretty late there. Um, so, but like, it's, you know, it's an island. How far can you go? Well, and that's the thing is like, <laughs> you know, that, that's a very, that's leads to my point is like, I live in a neighborhood that's like, we don't really like, you know, my car has been rifled through once and they stole my you know portable speaker out of it. Cause I was too cheap to repair my radio and I still haven't, I bought a new speaker instead. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I didn't expect to be driving the Fiesta for so long, but you know, right. like, I don't really worry. Like I don't get any packages really delivered to the house, but people do all the time and they literally leave the packages on the porch right. for like days sometimes. And they don't get stolen. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, okay. Um, but my neighbors have a daughter who's 13 ish. And like when she was 11, she really liked going up to the Seven Eleven to get like a, you know, call it a frappuccino. It wasn't actually a frappuccino, but it was, you know, some sort of sugary drink. Um, sure. But, you know, and it's, I think, less than a mile to the 7-Eleven. Like, it may be a mile there and back. Right. And they weren't really comfortable with her walking it alone. And the neighborhood that you have to walk through isn't exactly amazing. But, like, my wife is from way worse. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like when sure. I first heard it, I was like, I don't know if I like all things being equal. If my daughter and their daughter, that's near my, like that's three days older than my daughter, not their oldest daughter, but those two yeah. and their younger daughter, who's like three, um, they were 11 and they had the nine year old with them at that point. If they're like, Hey, we're going to go up to Seven Eleven, I don't know how I would take that. You know what yeah, I, mean? Like, I mean? It's so, it's so interesting to think about that because I, I wonder if this, ha I, granted I grew up in a much smaller town, but like the concept of being a 10 year old and not being allowed to like walk down to the grocery store to me is like wild. Well, even by so myself. I would well, so here's so here's the thing though. So like th like you know where my parents' house is. Yeah. If my daughter was 11 and she said she was going to that food line, I wouldn't blink an eye. Right. 
Yeah, but that, that's not very far. Yeah, yeah, but it's actually I think it's at least twice the distance to the Seven Eleven. And see but like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna break down a, a bicycle ride I had when uh, that I used to take not very often, but once in a while. And then I'm going to break mm-hmm. down the bicycle ride that I did in uh, Virginia Beach when we first moved there. Because <laughs> <That>, <laughs> so I we used to live in Eldorado Hills. The comic book store was in Folsom, mm-hmm. and I would ride from Folsom to uh, I wonder if Dimple Records is still there because I know the comic book store is not there anymore. Actually, you know what? Uh, uh, Sutter Middle School is right there, so uh, I can I can just do directions to Sutter Middle School. Mm-hmm. Uh, that used to be the old Folsom high school, but then Folsom high school built a new one. But anyways, that's uh, a different thing. So I used to ride my bike 14 miles by the uh, freeway, uh, but I couldn't ride the freeway. I had to ride the, um, the service road on the side. It was a dirt service road Mm -hmm. because you can't, you can't ride your bike on the side of the freeway. I I mean, I guess you could, but uh, You, you really shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. So, I would either ride the dirt service road or I would have to go all the way down white rock road, mm-hmm. which is, let's see how far would a white would right white rock road be. That would be, there's no way I rode 20 miles to go to the comic book store. Honestly, I, mean, I believe you, it. You yeah. yeah. I mean, I would, <laughs> but I would usually go the dirt service road, which is now iron point road, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we first moved but see, and I also, I often wouldn't even ask. I just tell, I just say, Hey, I'm, uh, this is what I'm doing, or I'm going out to ride my bike for the day or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they kind of generally knew that I was around town and Folsom was a town next door. So, yeah. And then when we moved to Virginia beach, I remember I really wanted to go to the comic store. The one that's, uh, actually it's where comic Kings is now. Uh, the one on Holland road. <laughs> oh, it used crap. to be. It used to be Comic Chest, so I used yeah. to ride from uh, where I lived in that first house, to, right? Yeah, the first house, like, well, the one next yeah. to the, the Kelly's Tavern. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where we first met. So I used to ride basically from where that Kelly's Tavern is all the way over to the uh, Plaza Azteca on Holland Road to go to the comic book store. Look, Look up how far that is. Uh, okay, let's so, see here. So as an example, the 7-Eleven is a seven-minute walk, according to Google Maps, from my house. It's 0. 0.4 of a mile. The food line from my parents' house is a 0. 0.7 of a mile walk, so it's about 11 minutes. Okay, but like, let's see. You know, when I was a kid, like before we moved, like so when I lived in the neighborhood that you lived in, yeah, we couldn't go on to Independence, but we could go anywhere we wanted in the neighborhood and like my parents really didn't mind if we went into the back part of the neighborhood, but like I was too scared as a kid to go back there because it's okay. Like with the area you lived in, cause you know, that further back area as a kid, it was just, it was like confusing how to get home. Like I just never map mentally mapped that out, but I could go wherever I wanted in the neighborhood. And we did ride around over there all the, you know, a lot. And then at some point, like when I was getting like tutoring for reading, I would ride my bike over to the neighborhood my parents live in and just around the corner and go to like the tutoring thing. And I rode my bike 
to swim practice early mornings a couple times. Yeah. But like after we moved to this neighborhood, cause the neighborhood itself was so big, like I could just go wherever I wanted in the neighborhood. But like, that's when I kind of stopped going on like super big adventures and like, you know, at a certain point, like I think probably 12, I don't th- like if in the summer I had been like, yeah, I'm just going to go out for the day. I don't think my parents would have ever asked, but like for the longest time we had memberships to that pool down the street. So like we would just go to the pool a lot. Yeah. And like I could walk to the pool and I would walk to the pool and my parents didn't really question that or because my mom worked at night, she would come to the pool with us. So it's not like my mom was specifically not allowing us to be independent. She wanted to go to the pool too. So it was just kind of like, we'll just go to the pool. So we did, we did that a lot for quite a few years. That's also 20 miles from my old house to that. There's no way. Oh, 20 min, eight miles. I'm reading this wrong. Oh, it's it's, only eight miles. It's, uh, it's nine miles, 8.9 miles. I would have, I, I would have thought it was significantly further than that. Actually, uh, it's, it's less now. Nemo Parkway didn't used to go all the way through. So I actually couldn't go this way. Um, yeah. I would have had to go this other way, which is, well, it's also nine miles. So I, I had to go down Dam, Dam Neck because they, because yeah. uh, Nemo didn't used to, or Nemo, however you say it, Nemo didn't, didn't used to go that other way. And then yeah. they, and then they put it all the way through. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is like, so this is one of those things that like I often find quite humorous when I, when I think about it. So you know where I live and you know where I work. Yeah. Yeah. So, as an example, like, so when I go, I'm going to pull that up. So like, if you just had to think about it, just without knowing me telling you how far away do you think I live from the office? Just in miles. Um, f- 15 miles, maybe. It's actually 13. Oh, Okay. Uh, according to it just, the, it just takes know, like, so well, long to get anywhere in, in that area just because of that's all, all the I water. Mean, it's 18 minutes. Yeah. So, but like, that's the thing to me. Like I forget like Hampton roads is so short. And like you said, the water is a big issue and like the way things are laid out is, is very different than a lot of other places. But like, how far away are you from your office now? You know what I mean? Like yeah. Dallas is so, just on such a larger scale. Right. And like, can you imagine if somebody was like, it, you know, in the, di- like, just imagine like you had you, you were your dad and you were like where you live now. And your kid was like, I'm going to ride my bike eight miles away to go to the comic book store. Yeah. Like, how would you feel like where you live now? Yeah, I don't, I think it I think it depends on what they're going through. Mm-hmm. So you know, one of the things that also makes this area different is that there are sidewalks everywhere. So mm-hmm. if you're going to ride your bike someplace, I don't. Yeah, you know what? I don't know because it's it because I do feel differently. Like I f- look back at my childhood and I think of things as being extremely safe, but also mm-hmm. I was ignorant to any sort of danger, but also. I don't think my parents were ignorant to that. They, they kind of knew. Yeah. But they like, knew the area. I mean, like 
El Dorado Hills had how many people? When I was a kid, I think 3,000 maybe. Yeah. So like if there was somebody touching kids. Yeah. Probably would have known about it. You know what I mean? Like well, and they, and they did. There, there was a guy like that. Uh, yeah. When my mom was a kid and just everybody said, don't go anywhere near him. And, uh, and that was just sort of, it, yeah. you know, they just, people knew that, that this guy was like a, was not a good guy. Yeah. And so like, if you think about it, like my parents' neighborhood has, I think well over a hundred homes. So yeah. if you think like what, 2.5 people per home. So it's like 250 people in just my parents' section and like all those neighborhoods combined has like say 300 homes and 250. And now we're nearly at like the population of El Dorado Hills. Like right. Princess Anne had near 2000 students. Uh, it, says, it says we, it says we had 7,000 people. Like, like Virginia beach alone in two to three high schools had that, has that population. Yeah. And yeah, Dallas I think, I think is, my, my graduating yeah. class was like a thousand or something. Yeah. Cause like they were, people were really moving out there and well, yeah. well, you went to first colonial, right? Right. Which is a pretty yeah. big school. Yeah. Very big school. But like, you know, it's just a completely different landscape. And yeah. then like Dallas is that much larger. Well, and also I think one, uh, another thing that is a little bit different between Virginia and California is conceptually we don't tend to think of distances as as big of a deal because of especially in northern california how rural everything is and just how long it takes to get from one place to another mm-hmm. so like if you go if you go north of virginia beach for 3 hours you go through two states if i wanted to go to the bay area for example that's a 3 hour drive from Eldorado Hills. So you're still in the same state. And if I wanted to go down to LA, that's a nine hour drive. Yeah. But couldn't you be out of California in less than three hours going East? Yeah. Yeah, I could have gone to like Reno is well, Reno is about three and a half hours. Yeah. But you still could have been in Nevada before then. Right. But then you'd be in Nevada forever. Well, yeah, no, I, I agree. What what I'm basically saying is just distances are just things just, like it was, it was not unusual for me to go to a wrestling tournament three hours away. Oh yeah. And that's the thing is like, it's not unusual for that to happen here, but three hours away is like just on the other side of Richmond. Whereas like you're really hitting the highway and there's nothing in between you and the next town It's like, you know, like Luray, Virginia, like it's just windy mountainous, but like, it's not super mountains. So it took forever to get there because there's no yeah. direct route. But yeah, I, I totally agree. And that that's the interesting thing because like Dallas is a, to me, like Hampton Roads is a car culture place. Yeah. But there are some neighborhoods where you could conceivably walk for most parts. Right. And there are obviously places in Dallas where you could do that. But that's it not kind of, like the yeah. DFW like that's not like a big thing about DFW. They're not trying to make it a walkable city. And right. like Norfolk keeps talking about doing crap like that. Like, Oh, we're going to try to make this area a walkable area. It's like, that's not 
that no one wants that. Right. How do you like the people who want that are the people who can afford a walkable area where it suddenly the restaurant has to be $50 because yeah. like now you're only c- c- like getting foot traffic, but we had to bulldoze these other small businesses to put up a parking lot so people could actually walk into the walkable area. It's just right. That's just stupid nonsense that uh, government comes up with. Whereas like a place like El Dorado Hills, it's like there's 7,000 people or, you know, your mayor really could be your next door neighbor. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, don't do this dumb stuff. But also, and that's what's so weird about like, you know, Virginia beach is there's a city council, but then there's like a city manager who's basically in charge. And then you have a mayor. It's like, what the hell's the point of the mayor? Right. Yeah. Just like these convoluted government structures. So, I mean, it's funny is El Dorado Hills has, uh, now has 46, 46 and a 46,593 people, according to the 2019 census. <laughs> it's crazy how much bigger it is. Yeah. Uh, man. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it just blows, blows my mind how much bigger it's gotten since I was a kid. So, I mean, it's like one of those things is you can't go home again. So that's kind of was the sort of the point of the whole conversation was mm-hmm. things are different. And, but I think things are also kind of changing again. I think a lot of people, especially people, I think my age who kind of grew up in that time are kind of looking back and going like, why did we lose all this stuff? That was like, why did it, why did it change? Why is there this culture of like hyper paranoia of things that statistically are not even that. So like, yeah, it's, I think it's not, it's not statistically, it's like racism. It's not statistically prevalent. Like the, you know, people are like, oh, the gender pay gap. And it's like, that's a statistical aberration. Like you're not comparing like events. And in fact, in most situations, when a woman has the same relevant, consistent work experience, she makes more money than a man. Yeah. It's just most women don't choose to have that like functional setup in their life. And, you know, there can be some arguments to be whether, you know, the culture allows a man to be, you know, a stay at home dad instead and let the mom work and, you know, having a parent at home in, in that sort of thing. But like inflation certainly ensures that doesn't happen. And then it's like all this, like, Oh, we need to give people a working wage and like all this care. It's like, yeah, where's all that money going to come from now? All these people who didn't have to work before now all have to work because you've increased their taxes. Right. It's just that, you know, insane nonsense. Like we're going to create a program to fix the situation. It's like, yeah, but all of your other programs created the situation. Like, perfectly fine before and i was listening to like um american glutton today and like he was talking to this woman who was like she is a processed food addiction specialist and it was really interesting the thing she was talking about like when they started you know putting warning labels on cigarettes Mm -hmm. and the cigarette companies started buying like cheap food companies and then making those foods hyper palatable and super addictive based on, and you know, like whether they knew that they were specifically addictive at the time of the purchases 
and or not like the statistic, you know, the scientific evidence may not have been there, but then they definitely all hired this one guy who knew how, like knew how to bring up foods to the thresholds of being like, you know, the highest of all of the addictive, like sugar and fats and salts before they yeah. would become unpalatable. And they all, you know, basically did this in unison. And then, you know, there was a, like a sugar cartel in Florida uh-huh. that, is part of the reason high fructose corn syrup came about was to break that. So she was talking about that. And, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, she, you know, like at no point did she necessarily say there needed to be a government program to fix these. Cause yeah. like she definitely like shit on the food pyramid and was like, yeah, the government's a bunch of morons and right. like, you know, the FDA is kind of like bought and stuff like that. But it was also saying like, Oh, these companies are allowed to do these things. It's like, Yes, they are because they're private businesses, so they can make whatever product they want and people can buy whatever product they want. Yeah. But what you're not bringing up is the fact that the court system protects them from lawsuits. So therefore we had to have warning labels on cigarettes because like they were shielded from these lawsuits. It's like all the vaccine crap where they're shielded from lawsuits and like, what is it? Iceland, Finland, Sweden have all basically banned the Moderna vaccine. Yeah, because of uh, heart, heart some sort of heart thing, microcarditis yeah. or something like that. Yeah, in like young males. Yeah. So, you know, and like, you know, everything aside, like whether like the scientists that were coming up with this thought they were actually coming up with something that was going to help. You know what I mean? Like, let's just give them the benefit of the doubt that they were actively trying to solve the problem and then make money from solving the problem. Yeah. It, but they thought it was a real problem. It's like right. the, all the statistical evidence is like, you didn't do a good job. Yeah. And then like, you know, people who have like, there's some sort of fetal abortive tissue in one of them. And like, no, they, no, or uh, some that, it's, yeah. So the issue is that the J and J vaccine, uh, and, and, but this is the case with a lot of medication, but mm-hmm. is that through the process of culturing the virus, they use a fetal tissue cell line to mm-hmm. um, basically get enough of the virus to make these. So it's not yeah. actually in the, it's not actually in the vaccine, but it is used in the process of making the vaccine. Yeah. Uh, and that's what people object to, but it's also, it's used in, you know, Pepto-Bismol and it's, and, uh, or it's the testing portion was for Pepto-Bismol uses that. And, and cause there's these, there's these particular cell lines that they use that are, um, they're like, they're called immortal cell lines. So they use these different culture groups of different cells to, mm-hmm. from particular fetuses and stuff like that. And from uh, this particular, this one black lady from who had like some sort of crazy cancer, yeah. uh, to do a lot of these testing. And, and they, so they that's, always that's like- what they're objecting to. And they're always like, like have some sort of thing against the fact that this black lady stuff is being used. It's always like, and she was never consulted and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah. Well, so and I you, guess that like, you trying to one of the things that everybody's <laughs> pissed off about is because they've made so much money from it and the family is like terribly impoverished. But, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know what the actual. Yeah, like, would there have been any, yeah. like, 
it's I forget who it is. It's like um, there was some radio jingle or something like that, or you know, not the I'm loving it from McDonald's, but like something like that. Yeah, where the person got paid fifty dollars. Yeah, uh, I think it was the Yahoo guy, the Yahoo that guy. Uh, he he yeah. ended up suing a whole bunch because they used it and they didn't pay him very much for it. Yeah. And and Yahoo used to be the largest tech company in the country. Yeah. And, uh, like that, I'm sure that's like, I'm not discounting that that is a thing, but that's not the one I'm specifically thinking of. But it's like one of those oh, okay. ones where it's like, he got paid what he asked for. And then they've made like a ass ton of money from there. Right. And, you know, and it's like, and it's not like they licensed his work. Like he was an employee and he made the thing that they asked for. Right. And yeah. It, and and I, so I don't know. I don't know the situation with a lot of these, yeah. these things. It's, I just, I know. So I don't really actually have a problem with them using music. Like it does. That's not my objection to it. The objection that was just recently released was uh, leaked information from Pfizer of them saying, we can't let any of the people taking this know that we use uh, these aborted fetus cell lines to work out the mRNA vaccines that they're using. So mm-hmm. they've been denied and they've been publicly saying that they don't Yeah, for so since basically this came out and now it's like, okay, so you lied. What else are you lying about? Yeah. So like it's the, the culture of fraud and, and that's the yeah. thing is like, I don't agree that they're using these things. However, like, let's say that if they were able to do like, let's say that there was a one-time abortion that happened and they've just managed to keep these cell lines going on for like 30 years. It's like, okay, that's how, that's what it is. Yeah. But like, and you know, obviously I don't agree. Like I don't agree with abortion in the vast majority of cases. Um, And, but like, let's say it happened and then, okay, you're doing that. Okay. But the fact that you're explicitly telling me it's not the case, it's like Jake Tapper straight up lied to Congress. Now I don't really give a shit if you lie to Congress, but if I lied to Congress, I would have gone to jail. And yet Jake Tapper is like even more rich than he was ripping off the U S citizenry as being the director of the CIA or whatever the hell he did. So it's like this continual thing of like, okay for thee or okay for me, but not for thee. And it's like, right. How is this like, you know, just the, like, I love that, you know, that, uh, January 16th, like our January 6th rally that everyone was like, yeah, that's totally a plant. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. People went to it to expi- explicitly like narc on loss law enforcement at it. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> Dick bag. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it, it's I, yeah we do. It's just it's a it's a a strange world that we live in. I think it's a changing world, and well, and that's the thing is like I don't I and like I think this is kind of the so back to why you know there's been this like huge push for like undoing things that you know we used to do as kids that were you know safe unsafe whatever, and like I think the classic Michael Malice line of f and white women. Like basically like, you know, these, these people who have nothing better to do and somehow, and you know, I, I don't really often go into like how detrimental to the family 
like inflation has been. Yeah. And like, I also don't often talk about like you do like how all of this money creation is basically theoretically pushed us forward. Right. Like developmentally in some ways, I don't always agree with your full premise, but I also don't know. And that's kind of the, well, we can't run the simulation. Pushing us forward is, is kind of how I describe it, but it's more like pushed us in a direction that we may not have otherwise gone in. Correct. So Uh, that, that's the, that's the thing is like when you're talking about it a lot of the times, and I think it's probably just me putting my own thought bias on it is that, so like, that's the thing is like, and the thing that I often wonder is like, what does your spouse do that allows you so much free time to go about fucking up everyone else's day? Right. And like, and I, I don't mean this in like a, like a racist way, but it's like, why aren't black moms able to do this? Yeah. Like, is it a cultural thing? Like where they're just not choosing to be engaged in that way or they are smarter? Like a lot of times I think they are smarter. (laughs) So I don't remember who it was that talked about this, but they were saying that um, like one of the issues with stay at home mothers these days is that basically your entire home life has been automated. Mm -hmm. And so there's not really that much to do. And so you kind of have to, which is wild to me because my mom was always doing crap and she was a stay at home mom. But, um, but then again, we, she, we did all sorts of different programs and she was shuttling us around all these different types like sports and, after school programs and that sort of stuff. And but we were also, super involved in the church, but th- all of those things, she had time to do all of those things. And I think it was because people aren't washing clothes by hand anymore. It's faster to cook. It's faster to clean. Um, you know, and she had five kids, which was, uh, was, it's just a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm, I think that I, I don't remember who it was that was talking about. They were just basically saying that, that this whole process of all of the housework being automated sort of made it so that if you only have one or two kids, you just don't really have much to do. Yeah. And they're gone all, and they're gone all day at school. Yeah. And on top of that, like now technology is letting you be involved at like a hyper level. But like, I think that was, I think, and this is kind of one of those things where you didn't see it. But the rest of the country, and really the rest of the country is not the right way to say it, but like I knew about the cancer coming out of California with all the mm-hmm. liberal nonsense as early as like the like 93. Yeah. Like my parents were like my dad, especially because he grew up in California and kind of an ass about some things when I was younger. He's way nicer about stuff now, but like I wish he still had that passion for a lot of that stuff because I think like, like I think my dad could be governor of Virginia. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he like well connected in a lot of stuff and like knows a lot of people and, but also like doesn't take shit and like, and I don't necessarily think he would like, I don't want him to be governor because I don't want him to have that responsibility because I don't think anybody should have it. But like 
compared to Terry McAuliffe, I take my dad any day. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, sure. You know, yeah. but like my dad was talking like for years talking about like the nonsense that was coming out of California. Yeah. And, well, like, and, we, and we did too, but, but we, because we lived there, I think it was, it was more specifically LA and San Francisco. Yeah. But like, and that's the thing is like, you, you know, I, my dad was from San Diego yeah. and my dad never, never went, Oh, it's coming out of LA and San Fran. It was right. all of California to my dad. And my dad's been out of California yeah. for a long time. And he lived more of his life outside of California than he did in California. Right. For, uh, and I, I have to at this point. Yeah. Well, I think it's actually double now for my dad. I think he's been wow. in Virginia for like 40 years. Like my dad's 67. And okay. I'm pretty positive he was out of California by the time he was 20? Yeah. 22? So You know what? I like, bet you too that like Southern California probably is was a lot more touched by what what's going on in California than Northern California was. Although we lived near Sa- Sacramento, so Yeah, but like that, but Sac- it's just like But Sac didn't have a lot of the it came out of the like the capital. Right. But Sac itself wasn't that crazy. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, as a loca- locality. So, yeah, but it's like just a that's a normal small American city. Yeah. But like, I knew about like this kind of crap coming out of California for a long time. Yeah. And right about 9 11 is when you stopped hearing about it. Right. And it's like, okay, for your global war on terror, we're taking the domestic front. Yeah. And then like Obama came in and it was like, you know, Obama was obviously terrible in so many ways. Yeah. But just it's Joe Biden hasn't been president for a year. Yeah. It seems like and, so much longer. <laughs> and look at the shit he's trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. And and like I sent you that article about Bill Maher going like. Oh, yeah. I read. I, like I, the I slow watched coup. the video. And it's like. Yeah. And, you know, I think he's probably kind of right. Yeah. About what Trump may be doing. And like, you know, Molly Hemingway, which is somebody Michael Malice has had on several times and I think is yeah. very interesting. Um, like did four or five interviews with Donald Trump. And like, mm-hmm. as always, Donald Trump in person, like not at like a, not when he's like peacocking about in front of a bunch of people is like a way more nuanced and way more smart about certain things than you would think he would be. Yeah. And like, Molly Hemingway is obviously not an idiot and it's not like she, you know, he, it's not like he pulled the wool over her eyes too much, but you know, some, cause he is a magnetic person. Like he's just, he is yeah. a very interesting person, but like, it was just very interesting to read her, her interview about like him and you know, it was over the spring and you know, he's still bitching about McConnell, which everybody should be. <laughs> so, yeah. but it's just like when, like, if he does, if he like is doing what he was saying, where basically he's like Bill Maher was claiming he's doing is he's basically cutting out the cancer of the people that like he didn't cut out. If he took the White House back, mm-hmm. like would he actually start purging those agencies? Now I don't think he would get rid of those agencies. I wouldn't think he'd like look at the you know the uh, Department of Education and be like, yeah, we're just done with this. Yeah. But would he go in and just like fire, you know, like let's say he, let's say somehow he won. He doesn't get 
whatever happened, you know, like actually takes office, does he fire almost half the FBI right up front? Just be like, nope, we're done with this. And like literally just fire all of the generals. (laughs) I mean, I mean, if you talk to a lot of, a lot of people probably that we know in the military that especially the enlisted people would say that that's what he should do that. And, you know, my dad used to complain about this, that he, he, cause he's not, he's enlisted. He's not an officer that he'd just be like, some of these officers are so progressive mm-hmm. and it's so bizarre because it's, it also makes it so that they have, they don't have the ability to work very well with, uh, enlisted people. Yeah. They just, there's no culture, there's no common culture. And like, they'll complain about something or give some sort of order that just is, an anathema to like a normal dude from rural Oklahoma or somewhere like that. Who's just like, what, what do you want me to do? And it's like, well, or like in the case of what's his face, um, where like now, and everybody's all like, Oh, thank God, because Trump was going to nuke China or whatever. And it's like, well, isn't that, and I don't really care because we're both anarchists, but like, isn't that treason? Like, well, that's what you guys are always talking about, but I do care. Yeah. And the reason I care is let's just say that, you know, like, and this is kind of one of those things that's always confusing to me is like, if the chain of command around the nuclear devices collapses, then, you know, it's like the Dr. Strangelove situation where it's like, if one of them goes rogue because he doesn't see the leadership chain of command functioning what happens so yeah in this case like if if what he said happened or like if what they claim he did actually did occur he should be executed that would be the the level of punishment that that would warrant right be a death sentence because from a functional standpoint it's like, yeah, you devolved control of these weapons to you. You have no right to control these weapons. They shouldn't exist. Right. Nor should you have in any capacity usurped the specific chain of command. We can question that, that specific chain of command, but like, yeah, you don't get to make that decision on your own. You progressive piece of crap. Like, this is like, that's what drives me nuts. It's like, if you're going to have this whole process then you need to live by the consequences because you know those people you blew up 3 days ago in Afghanistan they didn't get to choose so why do you like you we you chose to invade their country murder them and then like when they retaliate you go oh our poor boys and you know like poor boys and like whatever color the military wears anymore and it's like yeah i feel sorry for those people who get blown up because they had to get out of you know rural wherever and got suckered into going into the military. But like you live by the sword, you die by it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the right response, but yeah, that sort of thing just drives me insane where it's like, Oh yeah, this was completely okay. It's like, get yeah, no, if, if he ever gets yeah. back, it's like, yeah, you're getting court-martialed. You are getting blackballed. <laughs> like we will pull everything from you. <laughs> so. Well, see, one of the things I've been thinking about is that, um, you know, like this weekend, I don't know why I've been doing. I've been doing this is kind of like observe, trying to observe my my personal observations because you know I've I've been, uh, 
freaked out. It's not the right word, but like super concerned about like this, the turning over and like the emergency situation, all that sort of stuff. And it, it occurred to me on, I think it was on Friday or maybe on Saturday, I was watching one of the financial YouTube guys that I like and, or he had a long form interview with somebody who's like an hour and a half long. And I was watching it and I was like, neither one, both of these guys are very wealthy. They do, they pay attention to the financial markets all the time but they're normal people. They're like regular, they're not initiated into the, the libertarian stuff. And neither one of them are even concerned that the dollar could potentially collapse. Mm-hmm. And so I've been going like, okay, so I, I think I do have a good, like a good sound foundation on why this is the case. However, I also, I've talked to Carr about this a bunch of times too. Um, I was also wrong about 2008 when, when the response to the 2008 financial crisis Mm-hmm. When they started printing money, I was like, there's no way that this we get out of this without hyperinflation. And we did. And uh, then Bob Murphy, a couple of months ago, I can't remember the guy's name, had a guy on who had made a bet, I guess, with Bob Murphy about that. Or, mm-hmm. or maybe it, or he maybe just told Bob, no, you're wrong, and this is why. And he kind of explained like why when they do this, yes, it will cause problems in the future, but it may not be for you know 50 years from now. Yeah, And so like, as I'm watching these guys just kind of talk about financial markets and stuff like that with like, I wouldn't say not a care in the world, but sort of this like non, non-concerned thing is like, well, I think I am pre- just be- and I think most libertarians or most, most people in our kind of groups are sort of predisposed to the apocalypse kind of like the apocalyptic literature and stuff like that. But where we're just like, Oh, this is the end, but it's always the end. Like Mm -hmm. if you go and read like a lot of the stuff in the nineties, even some of the libertarian stuff coming out of the eighties, nineties and mid two thousands, like we're always on the brink of collapse. And, uh, and so I've been kind of like going back and forth in my mind about this, that like maybe, I think maybe we are in a bad time right now, but also is it possible that things just settle down and life quote unquote goes back to normal or goes back to just sort of a, a low. Cause one of the things that, that made me start thinking about this a little bit more too is um, how many people I know that are just getting burned out from the internet, basically like just, mm-hmm. they're just like, I don't, I don't want to be on Facebook anymore. I don't want to watch Twitter anymore unless it's funny. Um, and uh, I don't want to pay attention to politics. And they're just kind of like, you know what? I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to be paying attention to it anymore. And um, so this sort of being like as plugged in as we are to this, this sort of world, like, you know, reading zero hedge, which is always the world's coming to an end or reading uh, <laughs> Lou Rockwell, same thing, or all the stuff that I see on Twitter. I mean, my Twitter, my Twitter feed is pretty well curated to just libertarians. And that's what we talk about. And it could be that because of this sort of world that I've constructed around myself that I'm, I wouldn't say I'm wrong. I think these are, these are problems. I think it's undeniable that these are going to be problems, but maybe we are 50 years away from this collapse. And maybe, maybe, I mean, we woke up one day and it was 12 days flat in the curve. And then we've been in this for two years. Is it possible that at a certain point, there's just no will to continue this what's going on and and maybe not, and maybe enough people in government realize that they don't have the financial means to continue it forever 
and things just kind of settle down. Well, and so this, this is the thing that I will, I, I mean, you know, I've, I've always said we don't live in extraordinary times. Yeah. Like it. So, you know, one of the things is like, um, it's like, how did you go broke gradual at first and such? And then all of a sudden it was like, I forget who that said that. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, this is one of those things where it's like when the, when the Gauls sacked Rome. Yeah. Like first Galatia fell, you know, like you know, the out the very, very furthest provinces fell. And then they yeah. beat back like the, you know, they took Britain and then they lost Britain, but like they kind of walked away from Britain, you know, kind of like, yeah. ah, you know, this just wasn't worth it. And then like, you know, this slowly happened in, you know, it's very rare. Do you get a situation like the Mongols where, right. Here's a people you have never heard of come across the tro- the plains and go surrender or die. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, people say surrender or die all the time, but like, you know, we kill some, you kill some, we parlay, yada, yada, yada. And then they're literally killing everyone in your town. Right. And then this other town, they don't. They like take the artist after they kill the king, you know, like they, they, their tactics were very weird, but like right. they literally went from not existing as a complete threat to having devastated how many, you know, like, like when they sacked Baghdad. Yeah. Like the Mongols. Well, I think the- too, like, if you think too, like one of the other things that I was thinking about too is um, like, uh, the version of the depression my grandma tells and the version of the Mm -hmm. depression our family friend Kent tells where Mm -hmm. Kent's life was utterly ruined by it. Yeah. uh, As a small child and his, because his dad was a banker, they were very wealthy and then they had nothing and they were destitute. Whereas from my mom's perspective, my grandma's perspective of it, they were poor before they were poor during and they were poor after and eventually worked their way into the middle class. Yeah. So like for them, for them, it was, she was like, yeah, I mean like th- times were tough or whatever, but not that bad. Yeah. And, and that's that, that's the thing yeah. is like, for me, like, I think your focus is always on the dollar. Right. It is. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that I've never quite understood per se. Um, yeah. Cause it's like, the dollar, like everyone's like, oh, the dollar is going to collapse. It's like, possibly. And more than likely, given what they've been doing. Yeah. But you would have thought, like, you know, the, so this is like one of those things that, like, how shitty was the rest of the world in the 1970s? Yeah, pretty bad. Cause, like, how many times do you hear people like, Oh, like stagflation in the United States and all that stuff. Nixon closed the gold window. How did everyone else not go? Fuck you. We're never using the dollar again. Right. Like if the rest of the world had had any power, they would have turned to the Soviets and been like, we'll use the Soviet currency. They could have gone to the the Yuan. They could have gone to the yen. They could have gone to the Deutschmark. They didn't. They They could have gone back to the pound. They didn't. They literally stayed at the dollar. So like how absolute dog shit was the rest of the world that Nixon closes the gold window, which should have collapsed the dollar. 
and people were like, yeah, this is still preferable. Like, yeah, you and, know, and, and, and that's and right now. And that's what Carr and I actually talked about when I was on his show was, you know, it's, it's sort of the cleanest shirt in the laundry. It's still kind of like, what are you going to go to the Yuan? No, their, their economy is worse than ours. And yeah. And, and that's the thing that's so amazing. Like right now is, you know, how many people are like, it's the Chinese century and it's like, no. Yeah. So, like it's, <laughs> so do you, do you like, and this is the thing, like, and I, I don't mean this in like a negative way to them. And like, my question would be is like, okay, so they're going through their, they're setting up for their own version of the great depression basically. And you know, whether G is like trying to collapse the economy for some reason, or he's just lost his flipping mind with all the stuff he's doing. Um, so it's like, do you guys see this as their like big moment of suck and then they're going to own the rest of the century? Or do you really not get that? Like they don't have any money yeah, and they never built up like an internal wealth structure where things were okay. It's like they, you know, it, it's, it's just like, what, what do you think is happening in China? Yeah. They, misreported every number that you've never gotten an accurate number for them. They can't even get their population counted correctly. Not that like the U S does it any better, but like I would highly bet the margin of error in the U S like the true, like if you know, you were God, like looked at the margin of error, the U S is way under what the Chinese is. And it's like where some people just don't get reported or in China, like, people are just made up <laughs> like it's like yeah. the, the next, this century is going to be the century of Africa. Like, like Nigeria, like, like uh logos or like Legolos or like whatever, like the Nigerian capital is going to yeah. have like a hundred million people live in it. And it's going to be a country of a billion people. And it's how small, like, like either Africa is going to turn into like, a real nasty place soon with like war and strife or Africa is just going to blow it out of the water. Cause yeah. like with the way they're growing in population, it's just like that. Those are the only two options at this point. Like they're not going to just have like a steady hum of nothing. <laughs> like there's just too many people. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, like I, I, I've really been thinking about this a lot this last couple of days where I'm going like, is there any way for uh, anybody really to have an objective view? And so, you know, do you know the concept of Lindy? Like everybody online talks about it nowadays. No. <laughs> okay. So it's basically, it's like, it's the longer something goes on, the more likely it is to continue to go on is, is okay. a Lindy idea. Yeah. Right. So, so, okay. you know, so when you've been, when, when something has been going on for a long time, the likelihood of it continuing to go on is higher than the likelihood of it suddenly stopping. Not that there is no possibility that. Yeah. No, uh, no, I, 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 I get it 100%. I understand what you mean. Yeah. yeah. So like, that's kind of, that's the other thing that I've been sort of thinking about too, where it's like, I've, I don't like just be based on my not, not scholastic level of economic understanding, but I think a pretty good understanding of economics and, and how financial stuff works I think that everything I believe about inflation, about what's happening is, is true, but there are other components 
at work worldwide and domestically that make it that maybe I'm wrong and maybe this is not the end. And and I also started kind of having a because of like a normie's perspective of Bitcoin also kind of makes me start thinking that maybe Bitcoin actually will play a different role than what I thought. Maybe it won't just replace the dollar, but the pressure from a, a new hard currency like Bitcoin will basically just make it like gold and put some, but, but better because it, because I think that like Janet Yellen and, and Powell and those guys understand that the, that Bitcoin could replace the dollar. Uh, and like, and everything that our financial markets are built off of. And with that understanding, this would, people who understand that and, and kind of, uh, our power brokers on a large scale would go, okay, look, there is this other thing that's sort of waiting in the wings. We could either try to stop, stop it, which is impossible, or we can kind of rein our own excess in a bit and just continue with the power that we have and growing it more slowly so that, because the issue is, you know, the government printing a couple of extra billion dollars a year is probably not going to do anything as, as long as the economy is expanding. But Printing, you know, six trillion dollars last year or the year before, whenever they did that, and then going, and we're going to do another five trillion this year, or over the next five years, or whatever the the plan is. Like Ten that years to me, yeah, yeah, that to me is pretty extreme. But we already are getting talk out of like the administration and and more, I guess, moderate Democrats going like, no, no, we're not going to do that much. We'll do like one point five over the next. 10 years instead and like Mm -hmm. what are they planning on cutting for that and like that kind of stuff so like and i don't know if it's specifically a response to bitcoin but as you and i've talked about before these people are not stupid i think they're wrong about a lot of stuff and i and they may be evil uh but they're not idiots and so if what we believe about well i don't know about how how much you believe in in bitcoin but what I'm started I started to kind of think a lot more about Bitcoin is that oh this is going to be what replaces it and will basically throw the shackles of the government off or whatever and we'll move to this. It's like, well, if that's something that, you know, Jake Lindsay, you know, MLM programmer extraordinaire <laughs> could can like start thinking about it's not like that hasn't occurred to to these people. Well, so I'll push back. Okay. So I want you to take this and I want everybody who thinks Bitcoin is the next thing to take this. Gold has existed for 5,000 years. We went off the gold window in 1970. There is no reason to think a digital currency that came out of nowhere, Janet Yellen would think is the replacement. Like yeah. so this this is the thing is you, we all start with the false premise of they think that the dollar is replaceable mm-hmm. like that they that they need to replace the dollar now i will not argue that janet yellen is not intelligent enough to see the structural issues that are happening with the dollar yeah but like what I want everybody to remember is cryptocurrency like Bitcoin 
does not have the structural support for like pure processing of transactions, just volumetrically at the moment, like world computing power, like if you suddenly switched all transactions to be happening on the blockchain, computer, like no computer could function. Yeah. Like, well, they there, wouldn't. There would, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. It, it's not, it's not that it's because they wouldn't all happen on chain. There, there's a, there's like, no, 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 no. But, but that's what uh, I'm saying is even off chain. Yeah. The volume of transactions, like, and this is one of those things like I, you know, if you think about it at some point, look up the volume of financial transactions that happen worldwide in a day. Yeah. And then look up what the Bitcoin network does. Well, it, that's like, fine. I mean, it's, it's, scale, it's scalable. So I mean, no, no, no. I, I, I think I, that again, yeah. you're, you're presenting the logical argument. They're not right. logical. They are dollar like people. They may see a digital currency as a replacement to the dollar for their schemes, but it's not Bitcoin. They don't control that. It's never going to be Bitcoin. It will never be Bitcoin in their mind because they could just as easily go back to gold. Right. And if like, if Bitcoin, like I understand that there are many technological advantages to Bitcoin, but if the will to like defy the dollar was there, Roosevelt would have never gotten the gold. Right. Because yeah. like, if you think about it, like when were people more independent? The early thirties or 2021. Right. The well, early I think 30s. One, of the, <laughs> one of the things too that, uh, and, and maybe I'll talk to Rallo and Carr about this at some point that uh, I've also, is something that I brought up a long time ago as well is um, the idea that, and I've seen this starting to get floated a lot more in mainstream things. And especially like, like those normie financial guys that I listen to sometimes. And they're like, we're really excited that now they're going to start putting in some regulations on crypto because that's going to make it a much stabler market, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and you know, maybe they're right. I don't know. Uh, but the, the idea of, so I, I would say that bec- the, the, the reason the dollars is, used internationally is the, is the, because most of the OPEC nations will only trade in dollars, right? So mm-hmm. that's, that's part of the reason why it is existing as a sort of non-backed international currency. And well, it's not only OPEC, there it's is like all commodity markets, but yeah, I, right, I, I yeah, agree. Yeah. Oil is yeah. a big focus on that. Yeah. But if they, what they which I don't think is going to be the case, but if they really do want to switch off of oil, which to me is not true. They don't really want that, but, uh, whatever, uh, is that if they, if there is due to what's going on right now, a lack of confidence in dollars is them to try to revert back to some sort of, uh, commodities backed system where they say, well, we're going back to a fraction of gold, a certain amount of Bitcoin and whatever else they want to hold. And then we're going to issue the, you know, bit us or whatever. And which is their new digital currency because that's hip and stylish and stuff like that. And then they will, you know, only inflate a certain amount per year, or at least they'll say that. Uh, 
something along those lines where it's something with like less revolutionary and more just kind of humdrum, uh, at least from mm-hmm. our perspective. And, and I, I don't know, I, I kind of go back and forth on this. Like sometimes I'm just like, no, this is, this is a revolution. Like the, the world is quickly changing. Uh, and sometimes I'm like, no, it probably isn't because exciting things just don't really happen that often. Yeah. So th- this is the thing that I will off, I will point out. Yeah. If they, if Bitcoin had a chance, they would have banned it and they would have done it in the, the following ways. They would have made it so that no U.S. based company could knowingly transfer money into Bitcoin. Just like currently no U.S. company can basically do business with Iran or North yeah. Korea. And if you do, you go to jail and like they, you know, they basically hack you apart. So if they thought Bitcoin was going to take over, like, like unless they like literally are planning somehow to use Bitcoin to take over, they would have just done like, they would have just restricted your ability to use it by making it so that no bank could transfer money to a Bitcoin company, a company that provides Bitcoin. You couldn't convert Bitcoin. Like they would give you a window to convert Bitcoin back to dollar, you know, that sort of thing. And, they would just do that. Like they would just basically be like, yeah, you cannot, if you own a U.S. bank, you cannot transact with like Coinbase. Just you're not able to do it. And yeah. like everyone with, you know, I'm sure people are shouting, oh, they couldn't do that. There are many, because people would just transfer money to foreign banks. There are many foreign banks that will not allow Americans to hold transact like accounts with them because the reporting requirements to the IRS for doing so. Like they literally can lock them out of the SWIFT, you know, like all those transfer networks and stuff Yeah, that aren't, they're not even using because they don't do business with Americans directly. They don't allow people to hold accounts, but so their people can send money to the U S to buy goods and do whatever transactions they're doing, but they don't allow accounts for Americans. Like they're just not willing to risk that. And like, yeah. they would just basically make Bitcoin persona non grata from a, being able to transact to it if it was going to be a thing. So like I think this is the classic case of like the libertarians where the tail is, tail is wagging the dog. They see this thing that's awesome, super impactful, super important, and then they keep going like, well, suddenly everybody's going to tra- stop doing what they're doing in dollars and do things in this instead of going like, I'm going to find every way to stop doing my stuff in dollars and just use this and fuck everything else. What do I care? It's kind of like people who like, you know, like wealth with uh, infinite baking. All of those guys who are like, well, yeah, like I don't take like loans anymore, like from normal banks and stuff like that. And, you know, they did all this stuff. And then the interest rate dropped to like so low that you can't get a loan from your insurance company cheaper than what you can get from like the bank. Yeah. And now there are people like who are loaning on your cash value in your life insurance at like 0.5%, which blows the insurance company's money like rates out of the water. Like, so, you know, there's just all this stuff. And so I don't disagree that they're planning something, but if they truly thought Bitcoin was an, a danger, they would have just stopped our ability to transact with it by limiting 
how literally how you could get money to it. You know what I mean? Like they, they would have done something like that and they could still do that tomorrow. And that would basically kill Bitcoin because there's no way for like the largest economy to transact with it. And yeah, like, and then the Chinese have basically locked people out of it. So well, there the goes. The Chinese have already started trying to stop people. It it, it works no, no, a little bit differently like they, than they've that. Yeah, done. They've done that at this point. Yeah. That they're they're still working through it, but they like that would basically cause all of these people to revert out of it. Now, would they rebel completely? Some way, sure. Like I'm sure they would continue to try. But like, if you suddenly tell Navy Federal that. We will literally stop you from being able to do ACH for anything if you continue to send money to Coinbase. They're stopping sending money to Coinbase. Yeah, you tell. Well, like, I think I think that a lot of the, like Coinbase is a good example of that. This is something that I think is not necessarily set up by the government, but it's definitely in league with the government because they will they will hand over information to them very readily. Uh, well, and probably and for with, for regular regulatory financial reasons. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing is to operate that company. Because yeah. they chose to, they chose they choose to do business inside of the United States, whether they're headquartered in the United States or not. That's what you have to do. Yeah, and like that's the thing that like the Leviathan that people don't seem to get that the government is is like you cannot transact with who you would wish to transact with. But I mean, we we all know that. So yeah, it's well late now. And that's that's one of those things. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, this would be something to kind of like talk to like car and stuff because the thing is they could they could do all of those things that you're saying and people who already have Bitcoin um don't have to do it on an exchange. That that's that's the point of it is that it's decentralized and so you can still do all of the transactions you want not with an exchange. The the trying to get dollars converted to it would be would pose a problem and it would definitely collapse the price at least temporarily but uh you know it's it's i don't know that especially when it first got started i don't think anybody was paying attention to it uh but then again like i like i was saying is i don't think they're idiots uh Mm -hmm. and but they may be boomers and they may, may just have been like uh whatever you know internet money cool and uh and just not really thought about it until more recently. And, yeah, but and now it, they again, are actually doing stuff. They are trying to start imposing some pretty hardcore regulations on it. Yeah. So, so like, this, this is the thing is like car and Rollo may have a sizable holding in it, but if you can't get more, if you can't convert, like get people to convert, $300,000 worth of their wealth into it yeah. or, you know, whatever francs or, you know, whatever the currency is, it doesn't matter that somebody else already has it and is transact- transacting in it. They can continue to do so, but you can't get new funds into it easily or in any right. lo- like logical way. So that's what makes it exceptionally difficult at that point to continue. But Either way, like I, I get the point. I just don't think they they know how to stop weird things like this. They just they're not, and that's what we've got to be worried about is what why they're not doing it. Yeah, like you said, they're not dumb. But it's super late, so we're tasting anarchy. You can follow us on tastinganarchy.com, tastinganarchy at gmail.com, Twitter, uh, Childerberg. It's at on Twitter. It's the one you mainly 
uh, poke yep. people with right now. Yep. Uh, so Trollerberg is going to be what the 29th through yeah, 28th, 28th through, the, through the 30th of uh, <coughs> uh, May. May of 2022. That's correct. At yep. the Mule Shoe Bend Recreational Area. Uh, just I got my land use of, permit. Yeah. Sweet. So. <laughs> yeah. We're halfway there. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Well, um, I will talk to you in the morning and uh, talk to everybody else next week. All right, everybody. Have a good night. Stay free. Stay free.